Blog Talk Radio. friend, Reverend Char McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but you may use any Bible you wish. I have had many spiritual experiences, and in great gratitude, we will have ongoing Bible readings. 
And I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. And I'm reading straight out of the Bible. And we do have a summary. And so you're very welcome, welcome, welcome this morning. The calling number is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday. And sometimes uh, I get a little bit late. Anyway, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. And if you want to order a copy, contact Save.org, or you can find them on Amazon, and you can also, uh, I know they're on Facebook, and uh, you can actually listen to them for free on YouTube. So we want to be real grateful every morning that we listen to them, and uh, beautiful music. Anyway, and uh, let's just do our opening prayer as we bow our heads together, and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Christos, Amen. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy. And those lives are taken for distorted and evil reasons. We believe that they have become martyrs. We pray for all those suffering from violence here and abroad and at home. And we, uh, we pray, pray for shelter for those who have none. We pray for relief from suffering and violence and sickness here at home. And we pray for those who are lonely and uncomforted. We ask God to forgive us for our sins. We pray for those who are suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. And we also pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your angel, Michael, and to fight against every evil and protect us and all your angels to watch over everybody. Our prayers go out to those who suffer, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We pray also for wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of, of suffering all over the world. We thank you, God, for everything you have given us, and thank you, God, for those things you have taken away from us. And we do know the elections are coming up, and may the best person win, and your will is always done in every occasion. So we will humbly submit to your will, God, and do the best we can in this world. We ask Jesus to bless us and help undergo into his care and in his likeness and being and try to be more like him. We, everyone, I just want to remind us that everybody's in our prayers, and God bless you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. And I have happy birthday to everybody who has a birthday, including J.J. Nelson and Sandra Sanchez and everybody else. I wish you a very happy and blessed birthday and a very prosperous year ahead. And I would like to wish anybody out there that's having a birthday today, and God bless you, and I wish you with every special um, every special gift that you want. Okay, and if you have any uh, announcements for a birthday or a special anniversary or anything, just let me know. You know where I am, Charlene Simpson McCain on Facebook. And now uh, Sacred Sunday, you know, is here uh, every Sunday. Uh, I think I skipped one in the past few years. But uh, we do basically start at 11. Sometimes I'm late. Sometimes I'm a little early. But, you know, you can always listen to me in archives, too, because I'm available there. You can listen anytime you want. 
So today I want to welcome you to our Bible study, and we're actually up in Hebrews chapter 12. And here's a Hebrews chapter 12 summary. Let me get a little something to drink just before I start reading. Because I seem to suffer from dry throat and every other thing early in the morning, and I apologize for that. And I also want to say, anybody that's had that flu, God bless you, because that was very hard, and I had that too, and ended up in urgent care, but I'm okay now, and I'm on the mend, and I also want to uh, keep everybody in our minds that are sick, and help all you guys that are on uh, worldwide where seem to be having this weird flu, so uh, I pray for all of us to just get well and get over this soon. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12 summary. Don't stop believing. Christians have tons of examples of faith, which means they shouldn't worry about little stuff like being persecuted or killed. Well, they just need to look at to Jesus and keep on running the race. After all, that's what he did. He died on a cross. That wasn't any picnic. And his followers should be ready to follow in his footsteps if need be, or just turn lemons into lemonade. You know, look at this persecution thing as a learning opportunity. Maybe this is God teaching you how to be a better person. See, this says the author, God is like a dad, which means Christians are his children. Human parents have to lay down the law after their kids every now and then. Even though their rules and punishments seem harsh, parental units just do it because they love you. It's the same with God. Maybe by going through all the suffering, Christians will come out more faithful in the end. As much as I don't want to have it done to me, it has helped me. If God didn't care, he would just let people do whatever they want to do. But he does care, so he has set limits. So keep your head up, the author continues. Don't be like Esau. Back from the Genesis. He turned his back on God just to have a decent meal. Basically, you need to play the long game. Don't give up on God just because you get something good in the short term. If you play your cards right, the awards will be awesome. You see, this isn't like way back in Exodus when Moses went up to the Mount Sinai. Everyone was freaked out. The people weren't even supposed to touch the mountain, and even Moses was pretty terrified going up there. Christians get to waltz up to Mount Zion instead. This is the place where God lives with his son in a huge entourage of angels. It's just like the city of Jerusalem, but totally perfect and heavenly. The author has another question. If you think that God was tough on people who didn't listen to Moses back in the Torah, what do you think he'll do with the folks who don't listen to his son? We're guessing it's not too good. Anyway, back in those days, God, he says, God's voice will shake the ground when he's Spoke. But soon the world and everything in it will be gone, and there will be just Christians, and they'll be chilling out in a heavenly city that's totally earthquake proof. So that's the proof that, because he said, I was thinking about this this morning, that how do we know that we're still supposed to be waiting, that we're still supposed to be doing God's will, and we're supposed to be doing the best thing I can? And we wait as Christians because Jesus told us so. That's why we wait, and we have to believe, and that's our faith. So let's get to Hebrews. Get your Bible out to chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We have 
a little bit left in this Bible. That's what we read the whole thing. But anyway, so Hebrews chapter 12, the power of hope in Christ, the debatable things of life. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us, you know, this Bible is heavy. That's why I'm trying to hold it up. Anyway, sin is so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the races set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is for the long way, people, the disciplines of life. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten that exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are approved by him. For there is whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every sin from that he every he scourges from every son whom he receives. Sorry about that. It is for the discipline that you endure. God deals with you as the sons. And what son is there whom his father has not disciplined? And if you are without discipline, of which all of us become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much much rather be subject to the Father of the Spirit than live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. And But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it afterwards yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Hang in there, people. In the direction of life. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. And make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and with the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and that by it be defiled. And it says then that there is no immoral or godless people like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance though he sought for it with tears. And now it says on on 18, the drive of life. For you have not come to a a mountain that can be touched or to a a blazing fire, nor darkness, gloom, or whirlwind, and to a last of the trumpet and the sound of the word, which sound was such that those who heard begged for no further word be spoken to them, for they could not bear the command. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. But you have come to the Mount Zion and to the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem and to the myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, 
and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteousness made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than blood of Abel. Duty of life. See to it that you do not refuse him who is, speak, who is speaking, for if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less they will escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. Hmm. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we believe in a kingdom, since we receive a kingdom which is not and to be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may, may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. And then uh, that brings us to the last uh, verse on 29 is, for our God is a consuming fire. Now in the notes, which are extensive, it says the meaning of the meaning of author, it means uh, nothing entails more shame than the crucifixion. And then it has not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. None of the readers of this book had yet been martyred. In these verses, the writer discusses why Christians are disciplined. It is part of the educational process by which a believer is fitted to share God's holiness and is proof of a genuine love relationship between the Heavenly Father and his children. It helps train them to be obedient and produces the fruit of righteousness in their lives. And for additional teaching on this subject, you can go ahead and read the book of Job, which we have read extensively, and uh, we understand that they're just supposed to learn and be disciplined by these things that happen to us. That We don't like some of them. We like some of them, but we don't like a lot of them. Okay, without sanctification in life, we cannot see the land. We have to worship him acceptably. Failing to keep pace with the grace of God, wants, with what the grace of God wants to do in our life can result in bitterness. Yes, you have to watch for that. And then Esau, though he may have not been immoral in the physical sense, Esau was immoral in the spiritual sense, being worldly and materialistic. And... Um, at that point, Esau could not repent, even if he was sought for it. The blessing, not repentance, with tears. Remember, because he was he was hungry and took that rather than his lifelong and eternal life. And then uh, twelve eighteen to twenty four, the old covenant of the law and the new covenant, the gospel, are contrasted by comparing Mount Sinai, which the law was given, and Mount Zion, where the spiritual city. So Mount Sinai was where the law was given. Mount Zion is the spiritual part. And then uh, the church of the firstborn was New Testament believers who belonged to the church and the body of Christ and the spirits of the righteousness made perfect and the then contrasting the believers of old times. And then 1226, this refers to the cataclysmic events connected with Jesus' return. And remember, there will be not only earthquakes on earth, but there will be earthquakes in heaven. So I never thought of that before. 
and that sounds uh, dramatic and scary. Okay, so I have picked out a story for you this morning, and it's called Journey to Lords, and it's by Lorraine uh, Hendricks, Kintersville, Pennsylvania. Here we begin. It was only I was only 14 years old, but I was sure I was going to die. As a high school freshman, I, and I was a cheerleader, played varsity football, and was involved in other teenagers' activities. But the, I first came down with the flu in October 1975. It didn't seem like a big deal, but after a week or two, I was still having severe headaches, dizziness, violent nausea, and excruciating pains in my body. I was given a battery of tests that were inconclusive, and Mom and Dad consulted several specialists. None could find out what was wrong. One, uh, one put me in traction to relieve my neck pain, but didn't help. Another thought my illness might be psychosomatic, but tests indicated I was well-adjusted. I developed kidney problems, and because of the pain, I couldn't sleep. I was told that my, that my schoolmates, as well as people all over the area, were praying for me. That meant a lot, but I couldn't imagine ever feeling well again. There, one afternoon, Mom came by my bedside. Lorraine, she said, placing a cool hand on my fevered brow, we're going to take you to Lourdes. Is it farther than Pittsburgh, I asked. She smiled just a little bit. Mom explained that Lourdes is a small city in the southwestern France. There, in 1858, a young peasant girl, now known as St. Bernadette, had seen a vision of the Virgin Mary 18 times over a five-month period. Near the grotto where the Virgin Mary appeared, muddy water had trickled from under a huge rock. When Mary instructed Bernadette to drink and wash from the spring, clear gurgling water gushed forth. Since then, countless thousands have made pilgrimages to Lourdes, hoping to be healed by the same miraculous waters. Healing wasn't in my mind on that March day when we took off for France. I was so sick I wanted to die. At our Paris stopover, I was wheeled to the airport dispensary where a doctor gave me a shot that helped me sleep until we landed in Lourdes. When we arrived, the flight attendant asked if we were wanted an ambulance, and my mother said we could manage with just a wheelchair and a taxi, but the driver took one look at me and wanted to stay, take us to the hospital. No, no, the, no to the grotto, Mom persevered, and finally we arrived at the front gate to the ground surrounding the sacred shrine but I was too ill to go on. The nuns brought me to the infirmatory, infirmary sorry, where I collapsed on a bed. A young American volunteer named Louise said she would sit with me, and she read to me from her Bible. I fell asleep. Suddenly I was standing alongside my bed, looking down at my own body. Louise was still reading in a gentle voice, unaware of my other presence in the room. The next thing I knew, I was outside, moving with freedom and a joy I had never known before. <clears throat> what was happening to me? I felt no anxiety, only blessed that this was as real as life and definitely not a dream. Somehow I became aware that she was beside me, a lady in a long, flowing gown, gliding along with me as I continued on my journey. I couldn't see her face because of the hood hung over her head. But I, she exuded love, a trance that transcended anything I ever experienced. There was no talk between us, just a kind of intuitive communication. We floated about five feet above the ground, moving along over a sweeping green meadow, sprinkled with exquisite purple violet. My eyes were drawn to a lone tree where the branches spread like loving arms. 
The lady spoke at my side. Her voice was almost musical yet firm. You must go back now, she said. I don't want to go back, I pleaded. The body I left is dying. You must go back to prove to others that God still exists today. Next thing I knew, I was back in my body. I opened my eyes and looked up at the anxious face of the mom and dad. You've been trying to wake you, Mom said, but you weren't responding. It's time to go to bed, Dad said. My limbs were as weak as ever, and I felt as nauseated and sick as I had before. My parents wheeled my wheelchair, and we walked with Louise to the grounds of the shrine. There before my eyes stretched the same beautiful green field scattered with purple flowers, and in the distance stood the majestic lone tree with its sheltering branches. It's the tree in which St. Bernadette leaned when she had her last separation, Louise explained. I smiled. I had seen it all before. We passed the rocky grotto and reached the building housing the baths. Inside were separate areas for men, women, and children. There was a moistness in the air like that over a mountain brook in the morning. I was undressed and a blue cape was wrapped around my body. Then some women helped me to the bath. The long, wide marble full of tub were full of Lord's water. My mother knelt by my wheelchair and prayed, and the women eased me down into two steps into the knee-deep water, where I was led to the statue of the Blessed Mother. Someone poured water over my head. When I was helped out of the water, I realized to my surprise I, had, I was already dry. Dry. Oh, yes, said one of the women. That's one of the little miracles of Lord's. I was dressed and bundled in the wheelchair, feeling as bad as ever. The nuns gave me the taxi special permission to drive in and pick us up for our return trip to the hotel where we were staying. At the hotel, I got into bed and instantly sank into a deep sleep. Hours must have passed. Slowly, I awakened and I moved my legs, stretched my arms. I sat up in disbelief. There was no pain. I felt strong. I put my feet on the floor. I could walk. I stepped to the bathroom mirror, and my eyes were shining, and my cheeks were rosy. I was no longer trapped inside an unhealthy body. I was whole again. Mom and Dad came running in, and we all cried for joy and laughed in exultation. Later that day, I walked confidently through the gates of Lourdes once again. Louise, who had sat with me, and several sisters who had been with me that day before were stunned. They told me I seemed so sick that they feared I would not make it through the night. And now I was full of life. As I entered the Shrine Basilica, I knelt before the altar and gave thanks to God for my healing and for the beautiful lady I met at Lourdes. Thank you, God, for that. Amen. I hope you liked and appreciated what we have read this morning. It has really uh, touched me. And um, we can just pray for that miracle wherever we are. We pray for that miracle of healing. And we keep in mind all the saints that have gone before us and all the people that have humbly asked for healing and got it. So let's do our closing prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. You are never alone. God loves you and all his saints and blessed mother and all the martyrs pray over you and think of you and love you so much. You're never alone. May your best dreams come true and true love in your heart. God bless you. Love you.
And we ask in Jesus' name to help us through another week and not for none of us to give up or go bitter. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.